0: Amen, amen. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever stand against what God has done. Amen. 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 Um, it is a joy to be together, uh, to fellowship together, to be in that rugby huddle, um, and to just find out um, how life has been treating us, um, to encourage one another in our journey and our work with uh, with Jesus. Uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to get into week two of uh, Black text. Uh, With that. Uh, So, why don't I pray that God will help us um, as we get into His Word? Um, Father, we are so thankful for community. We are thankful that we are a redeemed family of servants on mission, that we redeemed from a life of sin and self centeredness, that we redeemed into a family, a family of different people from all walks of lives uh, who have lived out the Christian faith um, and have been grappling. Uh, with um, with the faith uh, in real life, so we thank you for that. We thank you that you call us to be servants, and that's our identity. That is who we are, uh, and that is what we also do. Uh, that overflows from who we are. Pray that it, it it will, as we think about the topic of black tags, our DNA will just uh, bleed out from us. Uh, not only are we servants, but we are servants on mission, and our mission is uh, South Africa, Southern Africa and the ends of the earth Um, and I pray Lord that you'd help us think about um, how to live as Christians uh, in this mission that you've called us to Uh, so please empower us as we think about your word this evening that it will enlighten uh, our engagement with your world Uh, we pray this in Jesus name amen Amen. Um, so we started last week uh, looking at uh, that topic and I I think from for those who are joining us perhaps you don't Know what we mean by black text? Hopefully, you already um, have uh, discovered uh, what it is about. Uh, as our secretary Helen says, it's playing lots of money to help uh, people uh, back home. Uh, one other definition I came across uh, from uh, that book by Nick Mlongo. Um, one of the writers says that black tax is a colloquial term for sharing your salary with family and making sure that they are well taken care of because before considering taking care of yourself, it feeds an expectation that a person may be liable to carry a burden if they, they've studied and found a job. And I think that represents many of us who live in Midland, who live uh, in the middle class. Uh, it affects uh, many of us that ex- that expectation extends beyond the immediate family to the extended family uh, as well and so that's what we're talking about when you are talking about black text. it affects many people who find themselves in midland uh, if it doesn't affect you directly it affects you indirectly uh, we all affected by uh, by uh, black tax uh, it is in the life of those uh, we are in church with uh, it is in the lives of uh, those who we are in the office space with. So it's a topic to engage, engage with. Uh, so we started last week just to recap what we said. We said that this is key to discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus, uh, because Jesus cares about people. And he cares about how we handle our money. And he said that there are three different ways in which we can approach this topic. Uh, so with the books that are out there, uh, or the two books, it sounds like I, I read a lot of books. I read just two books um, on, on black text. One of them um, just emphasizes the concept of Ubuntu, uh, that we you are who you are because of other people. So that's a more collective view uh, of doing ethics uh we said there's uh that there's the, that's the one thing and what ubuntu emphasizes is community over everything uh, so you are who you are because of others uh, you don't have intrinsic value you have extrinsic value you uh take your value from uh how you serve others uh, so you become a person uh, by behaving like a person towards um other people as i wait for that airplane to pass um Thank you to whoever poured water. This is how you should treat the men of God. Amen. It, there was ice in this thing. Amen. Next week we're going to get a chair then. Um, a couch. Amen. Uh, and I'm going to be with um, the, what do they call it? What's the pastor's wife called? The first lady. The first lady. We <laughs> uh, We beg. Aeroplane has passed. Um, so that's the first way word is Ubuntu. The second one was somebody help me if you were there. Ublungu. What is Ublungu? Ublungu is the Western way of living, which focuses on the individual. Uh, the individual uh, is who, uh, the, the, uh, the person who, or rather, you have intrinsic value as a human and you step out into the world. Uh, to prove that you have intrinsic value by making it out there. It's all about progress. Uh, it's all about success. And we saw that Ubuntu uh, uh, focuses on the self. Uh, and the positive with Ubuntu is that it tends to, I guess, focus on the, the other people. And it tends to be sacrificial uh, in the way that people view money. It tends to emphasize responsibilities over rights. Okay? So that's uh, Ubuntu. Um, so Ubuntu tends to uh, emphasize rights over responsibility, so my rights. So the other lady uh, who was writing on this topic, how to deal with black text as a pro, emphasizes my rights. Uh, he says you must have self-love, uh, and she uh, she speaks from a, a Western individualistic uh, kind of worldview. The downside to Ubuntu is that it's open to abuse, and you, you can never give enough for you to be given a status of of being human so it can be burdensome uh, the downside to ublungu, uh, on the negative side uh, it can be that it focuses too much on the self and so the way you do ethics is by saying i look out for number one uh, yet the bible calls us to to sacrifice Uh, So those two worldviews have their positives and negatives, and we saw that the third way is what we want to employ as we think about ethics as Christians. We want to employ, and I think it goes to every aspect of, of our lives, not just to black text. We want to be secure in the love that Christ has for us, and then step out in loving ways towards others. Our rector preached a sermon on that in Galatians, as he reminded us of um, of what it means to live our lives out of the freedom, out of the love that God has for us. So please go onto our website uh, to check that out. So Ubuntu, Ubuntu, uh, but the main thing, uh, the main approach for Christians is that we understand that we are loved, so we are freed. To love, and that empowers us. We're gonna see this week as we think about uh, the Christian way to deal with it, uh, with black text that is. Um, but as we talk about the Christian way, uh, we are actually referring to um, what what the Bible calls us to do, which is being being generous. Next week we're gonna talk about another Christian way, which is setting boundaries. Uh, so I we need to be generous, but as you listen this evening, remember that we are going to talk about. Boundaries next week. Uh, So what does it mean to set those boundaries? Uh, so we're looking at the Christian way to deal with black text, how this Christian ethic of love empowers us to, uh, to actually uh, step out in generous ways towards uh, others. Uh, what does this love look like in action? And we're going to look at two specific scriptures uh, this evening. One is from uh, Jesus' life. It is a scripture from Luke uh, and uh, in Luke, we see how God looks at the world. And then we're going to see another scripture in Corinthians. And three things that we're going to see there is uh, that the the ethic of love, uh, it, it impacts our eyes, it transforms our eyes, um, it transforms our hearts and moves our hearts, and then it empowers our hands. So eyes, heart, and hands. Uh, the Christian ethic, uh, changes our eyes, it transforms the way we look at the world. And this is the parable that Jesus tells, uh, to this young, rich young man, uh, that, who came to him. So let's have a look at how the gospel, the ethic of love, the ethic of being a Christian empowers and transforms our eyes—the way we look at the world. Uh, so this young man walks up to Jesus and says to him, "What does it mean to be part of your kingdom?" And Jesus tells him, um, "Well, have you not heard of the commandments?" Uh, and he says, "Well, I've done all of those—all um, uh, of those things." Um, uh, Jesus summarizes the ethic of uh, of loving people as um, the ethic of the New Old Testament. He sums it up as loving God and loving neighbor, and the young. Uh, man asks, "Who is my neighbor?" He was asking it to trick Jesus, uh, and then Jesus replies in verse twenty-nine. We're gonna have it up, uh, so that is in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter ten, verse twenty-nine. Luke chapter ten, verse twenty-nine. Uh, please attend uh, there uh, or follow on this on the screen as well. Uh, so, notice this is how uh, Jesus answers this young man who asked him who is my neighbor. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to him, and who is my neighbor? Verse 30, uh, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jesus normally loves telling stories. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving leaving him half dead. Verse 31, now by chance a priest uh, was going down the road and he saw him, he passed by on the one side. So the man who's a priest, who is uh, what we would in Luke's gospel, in Luke's day, people would see this person as someone who's part of the kingdom. Uh, he was a priest. Uh, he served God. What does he do when he sees this man who's lying by the street? He passes by. So likewise, the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. Uh, so, two religious people who you think would embody what it means to live for God, uh, they look at this uh, person who is uh, stripped of everything who 's half dead and they pass by verse thirty three somebody who we would not expect uh, to 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 act in uh, christ like ways uh, It would be an equivalent of me telling a story and saying a guy from gift of the givers." who is a Muslim. Two Christians pass this person, yet the guy from Gift of the Giver's Um, managed to help out. This is a Samaritan, somebody who would have not been considered as part of God's people, somebody who would have been a controversial figure to the religious people of Jesus's day. But this Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And the word there is that he was moved in the stomach. Uh, He was moved with pity towards this man. He went on He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Uh, And then Jesus answers a question with a question. Verse 36, Which of these three do you think, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So Jesus here is setting the, the ethic of uh, the kingdom, uh, the ethic of what it means to be part of uh, God's kingdom. And here's a man who would have been outside of uh, the kingdom, a Samaritan, who embodies what it means to be a disciple. He's moved uh, in his stomach, uh, and the other um, scripture there, verse 37, says he showed mercy. Uh, those uh, two ways of having compassion and showing mercy throughout the Gospels are ways that describe Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus himself, when he sees people, uh, he says, uh, the Bible says he cried out to them. He looked on them with compassion. He was moved uh, in his stomach towards them, and he showed them mercy. Uh, and that is the God of the Christian story. When he sees his creation, he looks at us. Uh, by being moved to the core, uh, and he looks at us uh, with mercy. A Catholic scholar by the name of James Keenan defines mercy as the willingness to enter into the chaos of another. The willingness to enter into the chaos of another. Uh, the God of the Christian story is willing, and he does, so he's able to enter into the chaos of another, and throughout Luke's gospel, uh, Luke kind of t- says that if you if you are a Christian, this ought to be the mark of your life. Uh, if you are a child of God, you ought to be embodying this. You ought to be willing to enter into the into the chaos uh, of others. And we see this Samaritan uh, uh, person going through lens uh, through great lens uh, to enter into the chaos of somebody. Uh, you and I. <laughs> If you pass by and you saw somebody robbed, what is the first thing that you'll do? You you go the other, you run, you run. In fact, in fact, uh, Blake say tells a story of him coming back from camp. I'm gonna put you out there. And then there was uh, there were rocks on the road uh, as he was coming by. I think it's one of those where people wanted. Um, they, it was a trap basically, uh, and he managed to see the rocks in time, swerved across. Uh, And he went, he bolted, he ran. And as he was driving off, there was a a, a, a Polo Vivo, a Polo driver drove into them, probably because he was speeding. And he was doing this because his tires were burst. And this man, Sly toot, he he left. I would do the same. Um, Here is the Samaritan uh, person who does the opposite, who steps into the chaos um, of others, who steps into uh, the chaos of others. And Jesus puts this to his disciples and say, look at him embodying what it means to be a follower of God. And almost saying that the Christian life ought to be marked by that. that. It ought to be marked by one recognizing that God looks at us with compassion. Jesus embodies what it means to be a good neighbor, by being compassionate towards us. And if we are followers of Jesus, we need to be transformed in the way... um, uh, So our eyes need to be transformed. The way we see people ought to be the way God sees people. When God sees people... He's moved uh, in mercy. Uh, When we see people, we ought to be moved in mercy. And that's the Christian ethic, right? Uh, When we see people the way God sees them, we will see neighbors to be loved and not people who annoy us or people who are to be used. Uh, I think we live in a culture where uh, we look at people by we enter into relationships uh, thinking, what can I get out of this person? We dealt with that. Uh, in one of the sermons, Uh, how can I use this person to towards my end? Uh, That's the normal approach of living in Jobek. We're nice to each other. We network at work parties. Why? So that you can serve uh, my goals. Isn't that the the order of the day? But when we see people the way God sees them, uh, we are going to see them as neighbors, just like the good Samaritan did, just like Jesus does. Uh, secondly, when we see uh, people the way God sees them, we're going to see opportunities for service uh, rather than seeing problems. Uh, so here's the Samaritan uh, person who sees this, um, Samaritan man who sees this man. Many of us could have seen, ah, like this is now, it's going to inconvenience me, right? Uh, this is a problem for me, but he doesn't do that. He sees it as an opportunity to serve somebody, Uh, when we, when God transforms the way we see people, when we see people the way God sees them, we'll see them more as uh, opportunities um, of service rather than problems to be avoided. Uh, The third thing is when we see uh, people the way God sees them, we are going to see resources, and this is a New Testament ethic, where we see resources as a means to build relationships, as a means to establish human flourishing, and not as a means and as a commodity for self-promotion. When we see people the way God sees them, we're going to see money and resources and our time as a commodity to the service of others and not as a way of self-enrichment. Um, I wonder if in 2023, if we were to have more Christians who saw the world the way God sees it, uh, how different would our country be? Uh, How different will we approach even this topic uh, of black text? Uh, So the gospel, uh, the love of Christ that he shows and displays as he's moved uh, in compassion towards others, we see here in Luke's gospel becomes a pattern for the Christian life as we ourselves see People, the way God sees them, uh, and as our eyes are transformed. But the gospel doesn't only change our eyes, but it changes our our hearts. It moves our hearts to compassion and to practically uh, using our hands and our resources for, for others. And for us to discover that, we're going to see uh, this ethic in uh, one. Cor- I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Uh, That is one of my most challenging. It challenges me uh, personally because it calls us uh, for our hearts to be transformed and for us to sacrificially serve others. It calls us to a life of generosity. In a world that says accumulate more and more for yourself, uh, the gospel calls us to be more open-handed. And why does it say that? Because our God was himself uh, open-handed. Uh, the Bible changes, or rather the gospel changes our hearts. Uh, it moves our hearts to think differently in the world that God has given us. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth and is encouraging them to give sacrificially. He uses the examples of one other church. It is the church of the Macedonians, uh, a church that didn't have much, uh, but gave out of their poverty. Um, have a look at verse 1, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, encouraging the church. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. A grace here is a charity, something that is freely given. And throughout this uh, portion of scripture, Paul uses this word grace uh, um, alongside the, the grace of God and the grace of giving towards others interchangeably, uh, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given. Um, that that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in the severe test of affliction, the abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed, and that's the key word, right? overflow, that very often the Christian ethic doesn't come from a place of needing the affirmation of other people, like in the Ubuntu uh, context, but it comes from a place of overflowing, overflowing the world of generous, generosity on their part. For they gave, uh, notice how they live out their lives. They wouldn't pass um, the test for middle-class lives. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, here are guys who were not forced by anyone to give. Yet they gave um, uh, of their not just what they had, but also from um, sacrificially giving. Verse four, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking in the relief of the saints. And this not as the that we as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us notice again the christian christian love in action that we give ourselves first to god we recognize the grace that is given us the love that is poured out on us and it overflows to what's other people but it overflows from god towards other people verse six accordingly we ask that as he had started so he should complete among you this act of grace Verse 7, but as you excel in everything, in faith, now he's telling to the Corinthians that they are a good church. Uh, they excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you. See that you excel in the act of grace as well. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. And then he goes to that scripture that is often abused in churches. Um, it is often a, a message of prosperity uh, that Jesus was rich, Amen. Uh, and out of his um, riches, he gave to you, Amen. Uh, so as um, you would be rich, Amen. Um, <laughs> so it's often used as uh, as um, a way to uh, coerce Christians into into giving. Uh, for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. It's often used to say that just give more, be generous, and you'll see what the Lord is going to do. Uh, that is not exactly what Paul uh, is referring to, you, uh, to, uh, to. In what ways was Jesus rich? Uh, it wasn't so much in material riches, is it? Um, He was rich in his status uh, as God. Uh, Ephesians, rather Philippians, reminds us that he was in the very form, very status God, but he chose to forego those privileges for the sake of us. He ascended, or rather descended into earth. He took a a form of a servant. Not only that, but he took a form of death, death on the cross, therefore God exalted him. So his riches have to do with his position as God, um, but yet he gave uh, himself towards us. He took the very nature of a servant so that we might become rich, so that we might become rich in love, uh, become rich in being called children of God. And Paul says, imagine that, imagine that love that Christ poured out on you, uh, now embrace that charity, that free gift of grace, uh, and let that free gift of grace empower uh, your heart. Empower your heart to do what? Um, to give, and to give yourself um, towards others. He edges the Corinthians that the very motivation for their giving should be the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, he edges Christians living in 2023 Midland, South Africa, to consider how they do ethics. To consider the things that motivate us to be giving. Are you giving from a place of wanting validation? Wanting to be the spokesperson at the family meeting? You know who's the spokesperson at a family meeting? Um, you can all be there, Right. Uh, we can all, normal people, be there. But until the uncle who drives the Hilux, who can contribute towards the, the running of the event, comes, um, it's as if somebody said, it's as if uh, they say, just because we are, are not working, our brains also stop working. Um, so that is the ethic of Ubuntu, isn't it? Uh, that the, the more you behave in human ways, the more you give towards other people, uh, the more you are considered a person of honor. That is the ethic there, but the gospel transforms us. Uh, The gospel doesn't do ethics uh, that way. Uh, The gospel reminds us that God has loved us so that we can love others. The gospel is counter-cultural. In a world that tells us, be tight-fisted, hold everything that you get, Uh, the gospel reminds us that God didn't do that. God opened his hands towards you. So that we can have a relationship with Him. And if that's the God you follow, surely that should motivate you to live the Christian life. Surely that should empower your hands. Have a look again at verse eight and nine. And this, and I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Paul is calling these Christians not only to have changed eyes, not only to have changed hearts, but to also have changed hands. That the gospel must motivate us to be practically loving uh, towards other people, to practically see opportunities where others see problems, uh, to see people as people to be served. Rather than people to be used, the gospel empowers our hands. And I'm going to end off this um, this section by talking, just highlighting stories of normal, ordinary Christians whose hands, whose eyes, whose hearts and hands were empowered by the gospel to live it out. Just so as we get practical on what this looks like. Um, but before I do that, I just wanted to have a side note. On christian witness. When we talk about our hands, I think very often we need to consider that the context we live in requires of us Christians, not out of obligation, but out of mission, uh, to be practical in how we love people. Um, let me explain what I mean. Uh, I think for me, for when I was a new Christian, this is ages ago, this is now 2004, um, new Christian I I became so zealous, and I wanted to share the gospel with everyone, especially my family, Uh, especially when I heard that the gospel means that Jesus is king, therefore I need to move away from my way of ancestral worship. Uh, That was my big thing, where I needed to challenge my family. Um, I had this posture of, I just want to challenge everyone. I just want to tell them how wrong they are and how Jesus loves them, right? Um, But it was void of love. Uh, It was more self-righteousness than anything. Um, And I think after years and many years of God working in my life, I've seen that people are, and this is where the gospel, sharing the gospel has been more effective. It is in times when I've practically loved people or practically lived out the gospel that people were more willing to listen. In your office space, uh, you have people who are above you, people who are below you in terms of the economic status. Um, those people will see your Christian faith by the way you behave when it comes to your, to your money. Now, you're going to face very difficult conversations of somebody who's perhaps a cleaner saying to you, "Shucks, I don't have transport money. And you're going to have to navigate that uh, living in corporate essay. How is the love of Christ going to transform your hands? You're going to have people in your family who know you as a Christian, and they will look at you as, and this is what they labeled as, Bazalwani. Bazalwani meant charismatic Christians. Those ones who are always talking about giving, they didn't have any regard for us because all we ever told them was how wrong they were. All we ever told them was how evil their ancestral worship ways were. Now, that's a topic for another day. But I was ineffective because I didn't share mainly the love of God. And I've seen that whenever you just give that 500 rand, whenever you bless somebody and display the love of Christ towards them, the more people are willing to hear you. Now, I'm not saying that as Christians we ought to buy people, But I remember that there's this guy called Jesus, uh, who said that you use your worldly possessions to gain your to gain more friends for eternity. And I think the practical way there are practical ways and practical opportunities for us to do that in our corporate space, but also in our families, um, to live out the gospel as a way to be witnesses uh, in this world. That's my side note on Christian witness. Stop beating people up with the gospel. Love them practically with transformed eyes, transformed hearts, and transformed hands. That your love must be genuine uh, by the way you sacrifice your money to, on the, to the service of others. A couple of stories as we end of, of Christians who've embodied uh, this. Uh, I'm not going to mention their names uh, one of them is a member of our church. Uh, he came all the way from Limpopo. Uh, he came from poverty. And as he tells his story, he shared this a couple of years ago on, on the stage. Uh, so I can share it. I'm free to share it. Um, his story is that he went to university in the Eastern Cape. Somebody gave him transport money, but he didn't know what he was, where he was going to sleep that very evening. But he's the kind of guy who is a pioneer. so And not not all of us are like that. I would never have left Rustenbeck to come to Jobeck not knowing where I was going to sleep. But here's this man going into university with nothing, not knowing if his bursary is going to pull through. But he breaks through walls. He gets to university, finishes uh, his, artic- uh, his studies, his articles, uh, and then he makes it... Uh, to become a CA. Uh Not only that, uh, so he starts off his life here with his wife and they live here in um, Ebony Park. Uh, so they live a, a, a normal life, but he, as he shares his story, remembers, uh, he said he remembered where he came from and he wanted to uplift the lives of others. Now here's the thing, he's a married guy, uh, so it becomes a burden, right? When you have to help out others, uh, but he showed practical love. Uh, he took the risk of starting a business, lived a moderate life, and then when he made it, uh, he bought a house here in Midrand, and then he made sure that his family from Limpopo is moved here, uh, that he employed some of them uh, to help them out uh, in uh, with black tech, so that he, they wouldn't continually have to depend on him. Um, So that's a beautiful story of somebody who navigated uh, black texts, who in compassion was moved to what others, who understood that as you rise up, you must lift others with you. He lived a Christian life. He protected his family uh, because sometimes it is difficult, right, to just bring people to stay with you. That's normal back home, Right? But you need to apply wisdom as you do that. Uh, so there's um, one one story. Another story is actually of a guy who I uh, went to school with. Uh, he, again, grew up in a single household. His father died when he was young. Uh, he had to see his mom struggle through teaching and raising a family on her own. Uh, there was no life insurance policies to help her out, uh, this guy came to Joburg with one mission, get that degree, become a CA, and then life is going to be fantastic. And what happened, uh, the township, English, and the, uh was just, uh, he struggled in university. Uh, he failed his first year. He failed just about everything. In UJ, they have this thing called F5. F5 is, you better try hard to pass everything at the end of the year. Um, and then if you don't do that, you get an F7. F7 means that you are the department doesn't want to see you next year. Um, so that was his thing, but he spoke to a couple of Christians who had connections with the Dean that helped him out to find another degree to do. He pursued another degree. Uh, he went to hustle his way into corporate essay. Uh, he had skills. Um, to, uh, of business. He make it, made it big in uh, business, started multiple businesses. I remember that this guy was staying in Cosmo City for quite a, a long time. And the reason why they were doing that was because the house in Cosmo City was paid for. But in middle-class Christianity, not Christianity rather, in middle-class South Africa, uh, to stay in a place like Cosmo City Does not have equal status to say I stay in something, right? So a lot of there was a lot of pressure to want to change and upgrade his lifestyle um, to be like everyone else. But he chose not to. Uh, He chose to save up, buy uh, more houses, and now he makes money from those houses. What inspired me by about his story is that he helps out his family members. The one thing he uses to empower those below him is that he brings them here to help them get education. Uh, here's a man who is living out uh, the Christian life uh, with his family. The other story I told was of my neighbor from Zim, who is an engineer, runs a business, but also he's got another business that employs people back home. Now I realize that those people are what we wouldn't deem as normal people, but they have the ability to make money. They have the ability to think about where they are. They have the ability to say, I'm not going to fall under the pressure of looking like I made it. Aren't we so obsessed with that as middle-class Christians? I must look like I made it. I want, when I go home, they must hear me from a mile, a kilometer away. When that car makes that sound. If you don't know what that car is, it is a GTI. Um, it is what chokes many of our people in large amount of debt, isn't it? And there's pressure to do that. Uh, but here are people who uh, didn't succumb to the pressure uh, but chose to live sacrificially. And I think that's what the Bible calls us to do, to live sacrificial lives. Um, there are normal people who also um, can contribute that 500 rand, that 1,000 rand. The 2,000 lends towards saving others and making a difference uh, at home, to foregoing a meal or two at a restaurant for the sacrifice, to sacrificing your money towards others. It is possible, isn't it? It is possible to not feel the weight of it. It is possible to sacrifice um, takeaways for the sake of others. It is possible to be empowered by the gospel um, to do that. Uh, there are other ways, of course. Um, I've seen a guy by the name of Walsh Dube. Uh, he is in Tembisa. One of the things that he does, uh, he studied theology in the UK, and he had this, this grappling. So, I studied theology. I can either work at a Bible college and earn a stable income, or go empower the youth in Tembisa. He chose the other thing to go empower the youth uh, in Tembisa. So one of the things that they do, and I think here's a practical thing that I think some of us can actually partner with Walsh, is that they revamp people's LinkedIn um, profiles. They help uh, young people to fix their CVs so that they can get jobs. And he posts stories on Facebook of guys saying, thank you, I got that, that job. You prepared me well for that interview. So if that's your skill set, come chat to me. We can alleviate black black text by doing those kind of things. Um, But I just want to end off with a story of um, our church. And I think this is encouraging. Um, Our church has a school called Nogopila. Nogopila is a school that exists to serve young young children um, who are coming from uh, underprivileged backgrounds. And I think what moved me was the one time when I was doing Bible study there. So we, every year, get the opportunity to do missions at Nogopila. Uh, and we teach the kids the Bible. A couple of years ago, we had a church in Tembisa where we taught the kids the kids the Bible. So I had an experience of uh, teaching the Bible to grade fives, grade six kids. And I, can I tell you that there's a massive difference between... The kids that are so at knock and the kids that are so in the hood, um, and the thing is just resources. Uh, those kids, these kids have more resources. Same backgrounds, but from early childhood, what the Love Trust does is that it empowers early childhood teachers to teach children at a young, young age to know the basic thing of reading. Do you know that there's many people who cannot find jobs who are going to be dependent, uh, and we are going to continue the cycle of black text because they simply cannot read, and therefore unemployable. Here's a Christian organization that is dedicated to empowering early childhood development uh, centers, empowering children to just learn the basic skill of reading. That when I read the Bible with those kids, I was like, wow. Like <laughs> They have basic comprehension, and that's that might seem like a small thing, but that's big. As you step out into this life, because if they fail at that level, I bet you they're not going to finish metric. It's going to be turned into lower grade. Their math. <laughs> um, there was a jab at, uh, at Black Newborn again, but that is inspiring, isn't it? Now that is a Christian way of looking at how to serve other people, that we are living in a context, and we need to think about ways in which we can uh, contribute. Candace, I think you serve uh, at the Love Trust, isn't it? You serve as uh, in teaching once a month there. You can come chat to me about the program that they run uh, where you can read with a child. So you, they link you up, and you can actually do basic comprehension uh, with a child. Uh, may God help us To have our eyes transformed, our hearts transformed, and our hands to practically see opportunities where others would see problems. Uh, To be moved in compassion for the sake of our people. And to be a salt and light where God has placed us. Amen.